0: On this episode, learn who benefits from sharing data and how to buy shared space on quantum computing. And then finally, ethanol is not just for parties anymore.
1: Oil and gas has always challenged technology. Now it's time for tech to challenge back. Come hear how the best minds in the industry are making those solutions a reality on the Oil and Gas Technology Podcast
0: with your host, Mark LaCour. All right, we're back with another episode. Before we get into our guests, I just want to say all this is made possible by Flutour, the sponsor of the show, Actions Not Insights. And we're actually at the Energy and Data Conference. Our uh, travel today was made possible by BCD Travel. They're the official travel partner of OGG and of the Oil and Gas Global Network. They provide all of our travel. If, you, if you're in the oil field and you worry about getting people in parts, places that you need them immediately, check out BCD Travel. They do really great work out there. And since we're at the conference, I'm lucky enough to have grabbed a couple of really cool guys. So I have Ulysses Mello. How are you doing today?
2: Yeah, very well. Thank you for yeah. having
0: me. Renato Cicada. Get Cicada. Zacada. And y'all don't sound like y'all are from West Texas. (laughs) Not really, from Brazil. (laughs) From Brazil. I I love Brazil. And Brazil is one of the locations where IBM has a, is it a research and development center?
2: Yes, we have a a research R&D center in Sao
0: Paulo and in Rio. In Sao Paulo and Rio, so on opposite sides of the country.
2: Uh, No, they're kind of close. It's just uh, 300 miles apart.
0: 300 miles? Brazil is so big at 300 miles, it doesn't sound like that big a deal. You go to Europe, 300 miles is like another country. (laughs) Yeah, And so I want to talk a little bit. We're at the Energy and Data Conference. Everybody here is looking forward, looking at what's the future going to bring for oil and gas. And since this is what y'all do for a living, is y'all are always looking forward and you're helping your clients make the best choices for their business, I kind of want to talk about what do y'all see the future bringing? So you know, when when I'm looking forward, where we are now is so much better from a technology point of view than we were even just 10 years ago. But what do y'all see coming? What do y'all see coming from a technology point of view to oil and gas?
2: Well, the first thing is that there is a wave of new technologies from a technology company like IBM. We are bringing cognitive systems, cognitive discovery, and even quantum computing that is in this time frame frame of 10 years, right? So technology will help to reduce costs, improve productivity, and uh, you're going to see 10 years from now, the industry is going to look very different
0: from today. Oh, I agree 100%. I've been saying this for, for years, but I want to kind of go back to the quantum computing thing, because I can't quite get my head around how it works. Can, can we kind of explain to the audience how quantum computer actually works?
2: Yes. Uh, uh, you know, classic computer uh, is based on this concept of a bit, right? A bit has two states. One or zero, or on or off. is like a switching light, right? Quantum computer, the the elemental entity is uh, a qubit. A qubit you can imagine like a sphere, and the north pole is zero, and the south pole a pole is one. But you have the whole sphere. For example, if you are in Texas, for example, you're closer to the north pole than you are from the south pole, right? So that uh, so you can have a, a, infinite states around the globe, right? And the combination of uh, many qubits that are entangled, by the way, each qubit knows the state or changes the state when you know the the state of uh, the other qubit. That doesn't happen with bits in uh, the classic computer. That allows you to have a very large number of states represented in that uh, computer and essentially this is very parallel and allows you to solve problems that we could never imagine solving even with the most powerful supercomputer today
0: yeah you say it like it's like it's totally normal to have not a one or a zero but everything and everything is possible but the advances in processing power is, is pass exponentially. Now, one of the things about quantum computing, last time I looked at it, was that it has to operate at extremely low temperatures. Is that problem being solved? Yes,
2: uh, actually, a uh, quantum computer today works at uh, 15 uh, millikelvins, right? That is one third of what the space temperature is, That normally 45 uh, uh, millikelvins. Uh, so we have, uh, we just released uh, back in January, the first commercial quantum computer with uh, 20 qubits with all the cryogenics embedded, so it's uh, it's solved. Uh, the, the, the Now it's just a matter of scaling and put more qubits and uh, reducing the noise. So I can go buy one now? Actually, you can buy time on, on day now, right? Because the quantum computer is supposed to be in the cloud, right? Because exactly because of those conditions, right? You want to have uh, a data center that's able to reduce the noise, the thermal noise, you know, vibration noise, everything in order to have a system that is very functional. So today to have, a, you know, to buy one and to install would cost you much more than, you know, assessing from the cloud and use it. And it's already available on the cloud. So if you want to use, uh, there are ones that are free to use and others that you may have to pay to
0: use. This is incredible. So... You know, high-performance computing has been a, a necessary thing for geoscience and oil and gas recently, right? And these are some of the fastest computing on the world. In fact, BP has a high-performance computing center here in Houston, and when they built it, it was the fastest high-performance computing center in the world. I don't think it still is. But you're telling me that I can buy shared space on quantum computing now? Yes, you, you can that, that is incredible. And, and are all the gas companies actually looking at this? Is it making a difference in their ability to process data?
2: Yes. Yeah, so we just had ExxonMobil joining a uh, consortium with us to start to look at some issues related to, for example, to uh, CO2 mitigation. So one thing about the quantum computing that uh, the architecture is very well designed and aligned with uh, quantum mechanics, right, as expected. So molecular dynamic problems are, you know, well fit for this. So, for example, today if you wanted to model, for example, a simple molecule like caffeine, you cannot model that with a, a current uh, supercomputer or HPC. But you you can do that with less than 200 qubits in a quantum computing. And as you know, hydrocarbons are essentially molecules that, or catalysts or molecules that we are all trying to optimize and or, or you know doing uh, uh, EOR or uh, sorry recovery creating new technologies like nanotechnology or so forth for poly- polymers to increase increase recovery. So I think that the, the quantum computer will have a you know a place that will uh, help
0: this industry you know it's so funny you said this i've been saying this while everybody thinks i'm crazy i think that molecule manipulation is could be it we're already doing now right so a petrochemical plant is manipulating hydrocarbon molecules to output whatever it wants to output but to be able to do it at a much finer detail and you know at some point i think the fuel of the future is going to be hydrogen well right now you can strip the hydrogen molecules out of hydrocarbons it's not that hard to do but with something like this you can now uh, process that on enormous scales Right, because now you have the processing horsepower to look at not one petrochemical process, but hundreds of thousands of petrochemical processes at the same time, everywhere at the same time. It, I mean, this is this is like really cool stuff. Exactly, because today this problem is like drug design. Right, what people
2: do, they have a molecule that works, and they want to improve it. They look at adjacent space. Right, what they can modify? What is the closest molecule to this one? But with uh, uh, the power of a quantum computer, we're going to be able to look at a much broader space, right, and model that and, and select the good candidates to whatever bit performance you want to do. So I think that this is going
0: to be a revolution in oh, space. It, yeah. it absolutely will be. And we talked before we turned the microphone a little bit on, on one of the things that the oil and gas industry is looking at, uh, regardless of what you believe about CO2, is, is that we're looking at ways to understand the CO2 emissions, to figure out how does it interplay with the climate and then if we need to how do we mitigate that do we reduce the amount of co2 emissions or do we actually go to the point of where we're we're actually pulling co2 out of the atmosphere right because we need to sequester in some way but i think the future of what y'all are doing fits right there too because now you can model things that are really hard to model now so even with high performance computing trying to model climate data is still not a science there's 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 so a bunch of great areas that they can't quite figure things out, but in the future, I think we'll be able to do that. Do you agree? Yeah,
2: and a new catalysts, for yeah. example, because carbon sequestration. There are many ways to do that, right? With, uh, you a, know, tree. Plants, <laughs> with a tree, a <laughs> yeah. tree. You, you may want to to, to do that in chimneys and places that you're releasing, uh, you know, CO two. Um, like we do with cars, right? Having catalysts there that reduce and absorb CO two. So I think that the carbon sequestration is an area that we will have to uh, to investigate further to mitigate part of this uh, production
0: that will come. Yeah. And so, do you think when you look at the future of our industry, do you think that part is going to come in? important enough for us to spend... Actually, that's a silly question because we're doing it now, aren't we? We're already spending resources to to handle carbon dioxide and methane and and whatever else that we want to control. But from a technology point of view, do you think it's going to get easier for the companies to do it in the future because of technology?
2: Yes, I think so. I think that the the strategies that I'm seeing from uh, many companies now is to uh, have electrification at the end, the usage part, you know, electrical cars or everything electrical on the, the consumer part. But the source of the electricity are going to continue to come from multiple sources right you can have uh, eolic or wind you can have solar you, you, you're still going to have hydrocarbons as the main source we are going to shift from you know coal to to gas and the, the more and more because it's more uh, co2 I would say better balanced but you wanted to uh, you, to capture as much as you can and reduce uh, the, the, the carbon in the sources. Right? And the, all those applications from hydrogen or from ethanol, or, or, you know, modeling of the chemicals
0: will play an uh, important role. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up ethanol because I don't think we haven't had anybody from Brazil on the show that I can remember any of our shows. But ethanol was a huge fuel in Brazil, but it was is born out of necessity, right? And Brazil's blessed with the perfect climate. Part of Brazil is blessed with perfect climate to grow sugarcane, so you had the raw feedstock to make ethanol. And if people don't know what ethanol is, it, it'll burn your car, but you can also drink it as a cocktail. It's 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 a it's an. Al-
2: sugar too, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
0: So, is is the future is that mix of ethanol and hydrocarbons in Brazil changing? Is because of all the deep salt layers that's been discovered by Petrobras.
2: Well, not really people still see brazil has a very interesting renewable matrix right we still produce a lot of energy from hydro sources and uh, ethanol is, is part of that and now there is a lot of research to use a few cells using ethanol because of the energy ratio right it's it's a good ratio of and still renewable right that you can use uh, ethanol as a main source without any the same problems that you would have with a few normal fuel cells. I see that continuing because, uh, you know, Brazil also is a major agricultural play, right? So in the the case of uh, sugarcane, we are always Looking the market uh, to balance uh, the demand so you can uh, adjust to optimize how much it goes to fuel and how much it goes to food. And this has been a very good thing in terms to to, to balance the price and to maintain the equilibrium. Uh, people thought in the beginning that would be a competition, but actually has been good to maintain the industry in the bad times.
0: Yeah, no, it's worked really well in Brazil. It hasn't worked so well here in the U.S. because we let our politics get involved, but i always thought it was fascinating that it just works so well in Brazil. And then the the other thing that's coming at us and we're talking about technology talking about quantum computing is quantum computing even touches things like agriculture, right? It, it, It literally can look and predict things that today you just can't do yet, which leads to better yields, which means you can feed more people or have more ethanol. I mean, this is really cool. It's really cool that IBM's leading the charge on this. How long have you been at IBM? I've been in IBM for more than 20 years now. Oh, you've seen the whole world change
2: then. <laughs> yes, I've seen a few generations of the industry and the IBM too.
0: Yeah. So IBM back then was a totally different company than it is now. If and a lot of people are listening to this work in the oil and gas industry. And if you're old like me, you may still think of IBM as a box manufacturer. They they quit doing that a long time ago. IBM is a think tank of some super sharp, super smart people solving problems in all industries, but you know, this is oil and gas right here. So in that transition, as IBM's seen as that thought leader from technology, you're having all companies, and you mentioned Exxon. I mean, it just doesn't get any bigger or badder than Exxon. But you know, now you're having the companies come to IBM and go, hey, look, we have this problem. We don't know how to fix it. Can you help us? And that's what you all do best, isn't it?
2: Yeah, we are playing very strong in this uh, digitalization transformation for the industry, right? Because all we start with uh, very large volumes of data and how you collect insights, derive insights to, to increase productivity, to decrease costs, to address all the issues that the industry has. But essentially IBM has transformed over the years from a hardware company to a service company. And now I would say it's a cloud company with uh, uh, differentiate layers of uh, AI or new feature of systems like uh, quantum that w- it will bring to the whole
0: stack uh, new solutions for the industry. Ronaldo, i got to ask you. It's uh, when I first saw Watson, I didn't believe it. I mean, I I literally thought that something's not right. There's a bunch of people in the background doing something you don't see behind the curtain. And then when I got exposed to Watson and oil and gas around the geoscience and actually saw it and touched it, the first thing that popped in my head is like, it's not going to be that much longer before Watson's better than any, any geophysicists out there. And please, no hate mail. (laughs) <laughs> the machine just never stops. It looks at a thousand data streams a second. It doesn't change the way it works because it gets in a fight with its wife or it's hungry or whatever. But Watson has come so far. And if you don't know what I'm talking about Watson is, you want to explain what Watson is or if our audience doesn't know?
1: Well, and actually, we started to work in this journey to apply machine learning and artificial intelligence to in a few years ago, right? And we started that exactly when the Watson and the Jeopardy game happen and we, this transformation, the way that we see this is not uh, about to replace the expert, but exactly, especially in the, we have been working a lot in subsurface characterization, right? And one challenge that we have in this space is that actually we have to test multiple scenarios because we don't have all the data yet to make the final assessment, right? So one important thing is how we embedded artificial intelligence in process like that. That you have to combine with your decision making, that you have to run rank different scenarios. And as we collect more data, we reassess that. So it's essentially a way to scale the, the process, the decision making process, to a new level that we can ingest new data, reassess our uh, assumptions, and test new scenarios. So it's not exactly about replacing full automated that process, but how we embedded that. In some challenging decision-making process.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't want to be sh- I want to be clear here. I, I don't think technology will replace a bunch of jobs. What it'll do is actually create new jobs. I, I think it's really cool that last year in 2018, the number one position that BP couldn't fill was drone pilots. How cool is it that they're hiring drone pilots now? So today it's normal. Just a few years ago, nobody even knew what a drone was, right? Yep. But that's a perfect, perfect example of how the technology is creating positions that normally don't exist. And then back to your point with the artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's not gonna replace the geoscientist, it's just gonna allow him to do his job better. Yes, it's just, assisting. I, yeah. Because right now they spend days combing through Excel spreadsheets, and everybody thinks I'm joking, I'm being serious, and they're figuring out what data they need to pull out to try to make some calculated business decisions. And so most of their time is not doing geoscience work, it's doing data mining, but unstructured yeah. data that's literally sitting on an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. And that's where AI comes into play. AI can take all that drudgery work off their plate to let them actually do the stuff they're good at.
1: Yeah, actually, in terms of creating new jobs, right? One thing that we see in the past, like with with data management, we have the data administrator, right? But for uh, this AI world, we we have to create the knowledge that we extract from the data, right? And that activity cannot be performed by an IT person. It has to be done by someone from the domain yep. that understands that knowledge. Can curate that knowledge, that create that hepa knowledge for the company. So this is something that has to be done for domain experts. Otherwise, wouldn't be able to assess and judge correctly. That yeah,
0: and that's definition. one of the the things I have an eye on as far as artificial intelligence is. So you're right. So data is just data. And when, you, when a human can see patterns in that data that's useful, that's when it turns into knowledge. And that's the part where AI is like this close, <laughs> that, that one little part. But you're right. You still need to bring that to the domain expert, and whether it's a medical doctor or a geoscientist or a petroleum engineer or whatever. They're the ones that benefit from the machine pulling that data together and getting rid of the stuff that's worthless and giving them just what they need to, so then they can do their job.
2: Yeah, the the problem is that uh, today, depending on the application, the volume of data is such large volume that is be impossible for someone to look at the data in the speed and pace that's necessary. So, the, the technology comes really to help, to assist, right? And say, and you can have a, be a completely different relationship with the data. You can ask the data is there any anomaly there that I should be aware of? So, the example that you gave, for example, drones, if you have drones running over pipelines and you want to find Issues. You don't have it to look at every single image. You use AI to identify anomalies and bring those anomalies to the attention of uh, the engineer, and the, he can tell you know if it is important or not. You don't want bored people doing repetitive work that brings no value. Yeah, that's
0: a perfect example. And that speed of data collection is only growing. I was out in West Texas, and um, one of the service companies had sensorized a well. And it was like, I think it was only six sensors on the, on the entire well. The well was in production. And it was like a petabyte of data every two hours that they could collect. And like you said, no yes. human could actually comb through that, even, in, even if they had a whole lifetime. And yet that's where the machines fit perfectly.
2: Yeah, I just came out from a presentation from Chevron that they said that today they have one million sensors in the company. Jeez, One million sensors. Imagine the amount of data that this is generating. It's impossible, right, for a human to... To consume all that uh, data. And I'm sure that this is much more effective by looking and improving the processes like they are doing and that they can see the value of uh, a lot of operations. They reported some of the improvements in the order of uh, $250 million only using and consuming the, that data to
0: improve processes. Isn't that cool? I mean, I've lived at this intersection of technology and only gas for 20 years. And for 20 years, I've been waiting to get where we are today. And we're at the very beginning of it. So so we got to kind of wind the show down here now, but I kind of want to get a little bit more from you. When you're looking forward, when you're looking at the future. We talked about artificial intelligence, machine learning. We talked about uh, carbon dioxide. What else do you see? Is there anything on the horizon? We talked quantum computing. That's a huge one. But Is there anything else on the horizon that you think is going to happen to oil and gas in the future?
2: Well, one thing that uh, this conference has been uh, very good in discussing, right, the the industry has failed over the years to do simpler things, right, like sharing the data, collecting all that information. And I think that there is an attempt now to create a set of tools that are common to the across all the companies that they can, you know, lift the value, right? You can separate things that are, like I said, repetitive, that don't bring any value, and only spend much more time in the things that you you believe that will bring more value. And that, that is the algorithms, uh, the differentiation uh, of uh, quantum and so forth, right? I think that getting this right to have um, uh, interoperable architecture across the whole industry is something that will bring a lot of value for for everyone.
0: You know what's going to be cool about that? That's collaboration. And so you're changing. So the culture of our industry has to change. The technology is already there to collaborate. But I, I agree with you. If we start sharing data as yes. an industry, it benefits everybody.
2: You, you're going to create a new business model that uh, this industry is very behind from other industries, right? Other industries that share data has an influx of innovation that's much Broader because you have more startups, uh, you know, companies that are come to and the players that you never know today with the right architecture and uh, you know business-driven problems, you can do a lot because yeah. you bring the best brains to, to compete in the industry.
1: When we saw the initial industries that were impacted by machine learning, we could see a lot of crowdsourcing um, initiatives to help to collect that data, right? And when we identified that wouldn't be easy to have something like that in oil and gas industry, right? So this sharing approach is key to allow that, right? How we can, because if you want to have the impact from all the new AI technology in the industry, we have to do that. Otherwise, we won't be able to create it and collect the data and the body of knowledge needed for that. Yeah, and so I'm already requirement
0: essentially. I'm already starting to see it happen which is just a beautiful thing we're, we're, we're nowhere near there But it's just starting all right. We got to wind down the show if people wanted to learn more about IBM Where should they go?
2: Yeah, we have a website but for you know IBM solutions and also for the IBM R&D Center uh, IBM research. Yeah, and we'll so put just to google
0: it. Yeah, no, we'll put links in the show notes so people can just click on the links and then uh, Ulysses and, and Renato, if people want to learn more about you, I'm guessing LinkedIn is the best place? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. so we'll also put uh, links to your, both your LinkedIn profiles on there. We're at a conference. I know you're busy. Thanks for taking time out of your day. It was great having you on the show. we got to come back. Actually, we're trying to plan a trip to go to your R&D center in, in uh, Rio and actually shoot some videos. So audience, stay tuned. We may actually get to shoot some video of some of the really cool stuff they're doing. All right, we're getting close to having to wind the show down. It's time for product reviews. Now, please, 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 people, I'm looking for gadgety type stuff. Look for things you can hold in your hand that's useful in your day to day activities. And whether that's umbrellas or ring lights or microphones or whatever, just small, cool stuff. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and want me to product review their compressor stations or their mud pumps, and that's not what I'm looking for. So today we're going to review something we hear we use ourselves here at OGGN, which is a Sensenheiser PC8 USB headset. So for all of our remote interviews, we ship this headset out to people and we get fantastic audio. I think it's less than $30. If you're somebody that spends a lot of time on Skype or Google Hangouts, or you need a way to record good audio remotely, check out this headset. It's, it's a mainstay in our tool supply. If you click on the link that's in the show notes, we get a few pennies. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just another way to support the show, but we love this headset. We use it for all of our remote interviews. And then listen for the end when Julie gets through with Events on Deck. She'll talk about the street team. And then once again, a big shout out to BCD Travel who is our travel partner of choice, making sure me and the rest of the OGGN team get where they need to be on time, safely, quickly, and effectively. And then finally, big shout out to Flutura, who's a sponsor of the show. They're giving away this really cool Port Authority Cyber Backpack. So go to the show notes, uh, click on the link. We'll give away one a week. Hopefully you'll be the man or woman that wins this. It is really an awesome backpack. And while you're online, go ahead and go to the website and give us your email address. It's oilngastechpodcast.com. We promise never to spam you. Uh, we only use that to help you be notified of important stuff we're doing our cool stuff we're doing. And while you're online, go ahead and join the LinkedIn group. Uh, it's OGGN. It's Growing Like Crazy. It's the home for this show and all the other podcasts. I think we're up to about seven right now. Alright, so now it's time to get out of here. Uh, we are making sure that you don't get left behind one episode at a time. And here's Julie with Events on Deck.
3: Okay, before heading into the Events on Deck for July, I have a few and announcements. We moved our happy hours to quarterly, and so the Houston and Midland happy hour will be in sometime August or September. Be on the lookout for the date to be announced. And we are launching our Denver Happy Hour on August 29th from 4 to 6 p.m. All the details are below. And now let's move on to the events on deck. We have the Argentina Oil, Gas and Energy Summit 2019. That's July 10th and 11th in Buenos Aires. The link is below. Then we have a Happy Hour coming up on July 23rd. It's the Intentional Networking Oil and Gas Happy Hour at the Houston Zoo. This is hosted by Equilibria, NOV, OGGN, and Flutura. And a portion of the ticket sales will be going to Redeem Ministries, a local charity to help human trafficking victims. You can sign up below. Next up, Mark, Jake, and Paige will be speaking at the 2019 IPANM Annual Meeting July 24th and 26th in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this year's theme is Addressing Operators' Needs in 2019. Sign up below. The Desk Desk and Derrick Fort Worth 2nd Annual Shoot for the Future Clay Shoot is July 26th in Decatur, Texas. Sign up below. And last but not least, Summer Nape is coming up August 21st through 22nd in Houston, Texas to where the deals happen.
1: Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Temp Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.